Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, I'm really excited to have Alejandro Quiroga with us. And he is currently a strategic account sales rep for a data and AI company. I'm really excited to learn from Alejandro because I know he's really kicked butt in a number of roles in his sales career. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast, Alejandro. Hi, uh, Chris. Good to be on. Uh, really excited to be here today. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Excitement is all mine. Well, hey, I, you know, I didn't really give much of a background there. Why don't you tell my audience a little bit more about yourself and your background in technology sales? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so I've been in enterprise software sales for well over 15 years, probably getting close to 20 and been in, in sort of the, the data side of enterprise software. So information retrieval and enterprise search, uh, you know, data warehousing, uh, cloud computing. Now, really the, the big data in the cloud. So next generation data and AI platform, you know, that is cloud native on you know, the, uh, the major cloud providers. Yeah, so you've really carved uh, out a kind of a career niche in that space, just the data space, it sounds like. Yeah, there's, you know, through, throughout my career, I've worked with a lot of different colleagues who, you know, come from various industries. And, you know, I've just been passionate about, uh, you know, at first it was enterprise search. There's a lot of intellectual curiosity when it comes to search technology. It's a, it's a real blend of science and art the algorithms of relevancy and you know getting the user experience right and it was very quite again intellectually stimulating for me and that just sort of naturally led as the industry evolved into uh, big data and analytics and you know data lakes and cloud computing and you know because i had stayed in that industry or domain for such a consistent time you know, you find yourself getting recruited for key roles because you have that experience. Yeah, I think just, you know, one thing I just picked up on there is that idea of specializing, right? If you're doing, I mean, you're in sales, you're in technology sales, but you've definitely have specialized your career over a period of time in a certain segment. And as a result, you probably got better at it, probably got noticed in that field and definitely became more, uh, more recruitable. I'm curious. So I'm sure, you know, data related needs, I'm sure customers are just calling you wanting to buy stuff all the time. You just have to sit back and take POs. Um, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. I, I imagine it's one of those sales where you have to go out and create a little bit of value and create a problem that may not necessarily be clear in the customer's eyes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think what I've found through my career with enterprise search, there was definitely more hunting of 
not only the the problem or use case, but of of the stakeholder where you could communicate a value proposition that was going to resonate. And the notion that enterprise search would be a solution to a business problem wasn't always well understood. And, And so certainly... You know, for a good portion of my career, going after and and prospecting and trying to help educate the market and then educate your account and then educate that that buyer as to how enterprise search, um, you know, addressed various use cases. It, it was there was a lot of evangelizing, a, a lot of education that that went into that sale. Today. Due to the propensity of you know people talking about data, due to you know the um, you know popularity in some regards of you know AWS and Microsoft Azure and Google GCP and the you know New York Times and Washington Post and Forbes writing about data as the new oil, mm. and now data science and AI. It's it's not too difficult to find the right buyer persona and people who have pain. And so due to sort of that first generation of uh, cloud data architectures and more than your fair share, the majority of, of enterprises out there still having legacy on-prem architectures, it makes identifying pain and articulating a, a solution to address that pain pretty straightforward and so it makes those early conversations accelerate the, the engagement in ways I've never experienced in my career before yeah I'm curious so when you're out selling data and AI services or, or what your company offers what is the typical um, title or buyer of those types of services yeah so we go after you know, a VP type or senior director, data engineering, data science, chief data officer, enterprise architect, chief digital officer, right? Depend on the type of company. But those responsible for the infrastructure that manages data, as well as then your data scientists, you have to work with that data and apply you know, their PhDs to building models and deploying and integrating those models uh, into business applications. So you know, there's a lot of those buyer personas out there these days. And it's about you know, finding the right ones that, that the message is going to resonate and again, have the pain to engage in, into a, a sales process. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's one of the things that's so great about the technology space. I mean, if you're an early career person, you're looking at a sales role, there are so many different directions you can go with in technology. I mean, what I do and what you do, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's a little bit of maybe some similarities, but at the end of the day, we're talking to different customers within maybe the same account, which is really fascinating. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I'm curious, and this maybe would uh, apply to some of those early career sales reps. You went to school not to be a sales rep, but I was looking at your LinkedIn resume and you went to school and got a degree in writing and poetry. How did you go from that into um, tech sales? Well, you know, I went to a small liberal arts college 
So, and, and I didn't ever think about computer science as a degree. I didn't have the math acumen, right, to, to pursue that. And, and certainly didn't have the math acumen to, to, to do well at economics. So I found myself in poetry. And at the time in college, you know, I was really passionate about real estate and commercial real estate development. And I had summer internships with a developer. I worked for one of the largest you know, commercial real estate companies in, in the country in college. You know, when I left college, when I graduated, the market was was very soft in commercial real estate. It was quite a down market. I wanted to stay in the business or in the industry, so I just got my license and then started selling residential real estate. And through that, made some connections where fellow brokers, their husbands were executives at software companies. We became friendly, and they saw what I was doing <laughs> selling real estate, and they you know invited me to the interview and. You know, one to one for about six months, and then realized it wasn't the right fit. Called my other friend; he interviewed me, uh, or his company interviewed me. Found myself, you know, with a you know full time job, base salary, benefits, you know, and and real structure to to a career versus you know uh, commission only work in the weekends and. Really, you're an independent contractor in some respects as a as a realtor. And you know, 24, 25 years old, the software uh, job was just too good to pass up and never looked back. Yeah. So you're you're selling homes and you're seeing these people buying these big homes and nice cars, and it's like, well, what are they doing? I need to get to that job. Yeah, um, well, that's... that was how I got into how I got interested in real estate. Is I had a friend, and her dad had this amazing, you know, residence and houses in Florida and all that. So I said, "What do you do?" And he's like, "Commercial real estate." So you know, I was like, "Oh, let me, let me get into that." And and I did get quite passionate about it. And but then you know, early early in the in the software roles, you see the top performers, and you know the success that they had. Um, and you're like, I want to, I want to emulate that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, uh, some of my listeners know that uh, I personally am, am uh, an active investor in uh, commercial real estate. And so if anybody wants to learn more about investing in real estate, I have a newsletter. You can go to our website at uh, hightechfreedom.com and uh, subscribe to our newsletter. We won't spam you. Uh, but I do have a newsletter that goes out that provides tips and insight into that uh, in that market. Um, all right, well, let's get into some uh, some uh, the meat and potatoes here. So I know uh, I'd heard you actually. I heard you on another sales podcast, and I reached out to you, and we got to talking a little bit. Uh, you've had some really successful years, some big years. I understand you've been a number one rep more than once. What's been your biggest year in terms of quota attainment percentage? Yeah, it was well over like. It was close to 360, 360%, you know, several years over 200 and many over, over 100. Now, you know, those big years are tremendous. And, um, you know, they talk about it's timing and territory and, and luck and whatever that saying is. And it's true, right? You can find that right engagement, that right project at that right account. And you can build that right connection with your buyer, your champion, 
and make it happen. But but it's not always like that. You know, I've I've had some years of just misses. Fortunately, never been a, a bottom, you know, to, no, no strikeout. But um, those big years are awesome. And yeah. you got to learn and build from them and, and carry those learnings forward to the next year. Great, uh, great advice. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, you make the comment about, you know, maybe you get a little bit lucky. Well, there's lots of people that have been in the position to have the opportunity to be lucky, but you have to grab it and you have to wring as much out of it as you can. I mean, you have to work as hard as you And you know, once you have your eye on the prize and you know that you have a real deal or real a number of deals for the year that could be a make it or break it, you got to get up early, stay up late. I mean, that's the time to really take advantage of a great opportunity that's sitting right in front of you, but you have to go make it happen. Couldn't agree more. I don't really believe in luck in this job, right? You, you know, you have to set yourself up. You have to put yourself in the position that when the opportunity is open, you you can and you know how to execute, right? You have to grind, be the first one in the office. Or, you know, these days, the first one at your home office and, and you have to stay late. And I've, I, I do that. You know, I think I've had many managers, in, in, including my current one, that says, like, no, no one's going to outwork Alejandro, right? And I take pride in that. And I, you know, respectfully command or, or expect my colleagues to work with me on these accounts to, to give it their best. And, you know, not everyone can be up at, the, the, you know, at the crack of dawn or, or, or burning the midnight oil, you know, working on it. But, but when, when you come to present, when you come to a meeting, we have to be polished. We have to know our stuff inside and out. We have to be the domain experts and thought leaders so that you can, you know, to borrow from the challenger sale, right? You know, teach Taylor and take control of that conversation and really lead the sales cycle versus the customer leading you through their process. And when, when that clicks for young reps to understand that it's, it's your sales process and you have to drive it and not be riding a shotgun of your, your customers, you know, uh, you know, bake off or, you know, RFP process and you can maneuver it yourself that's when you can make things happen, right? That that's sort of what I've taken away. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think you, you know, you, that's probably part of your answer to my question. You know, what uh, you know, what is the secret to some of your success? And just following up on what you just said there for a minute. So let's say, I mean, there is a deal that maybe you come in and and maybe you haven't been able to quite take control out of the gate. You know, maybe it's going down a different path. You know, have you had a situation where you've been able to sort of take it from the customer's hands where they're going down their path of POCs and RFPs and being able to take it back and kind of re-swizzle the sales cycle so that you can own it? Yeah, definitely. Um, on a couple of occasions, one in particular, you know, uh, was fortunate enough to have uh, a customer call me because she attended uh, a training session and another client of mine said, hey, you know, you got to check out uh, this company and call Alejandro. He's, you know, he, he's great. And so fortunate to have that referral, right? Mm. Which is really important, right? To, to build those relationships of trust. Um, so 
we started the sales, pro, you know, this person called and we started the sales cycle and did our pitch, pitch deck and some discovery and demos. And then they said, okay, we're going to, you know, we want to include you in the RFP. And we've already sent this out to some other vendors. You, we've learned about you guys and connected with you late, but we want to include you. We're like, great. We get the RFP and we saw that some of their key requirements were absent uh, or the ability to sort of join two different data sets that we knew that was important to them through our discovery was absent in, in the POC. I'm sorry, in the uh, RFP. And so we called them and said, look, like, you know, we can't move forward unless you're going to include these other requirements into the RFP. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. But, you know, we'd love you to consider that. But if not, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to participate. Because if you're, not the, if you're not the one writing the RFP, you're just column fodder, right? right. And you're, you're column B, C, or D. So, you know, they, they were a bit taken aback. And they then conceded and, and agreed to, to allow us to include it. We you know, executed our RFP and then the subsequent sort of proof of concept that now had those requirements in them. And we knew we're the only vendor that could do that. I so love it. we, you know, our art of war, you know, you know, flank the competition, whatever your book of power you want to read about, but, you know, flank the competition, change the game so that it's in your favor. And as we did that, we then also began to educate the customer as to, you know, why this, this, these, these features and capabilities were important, you know, how could it impact other aspects of their data architecture, their application strategy, um, their end user, their business that set us apart. And we closed that deal in like four months, um, which was vastly, you know, sort of faster than our normal six to nine to maybe 12 month sales cycle. Mm -hmm. So that'd be one example. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a level selling right there, man. That's, that's the way to do it. So really yeah. nice work. Um, well, one of the things that uh, that's top of mind for for me and I, you know some of my uh, listeners and actually some of the people in my sales team is uh, we're always talking about building more pipeline. And you know it's the health of any sales uh, rep is uh, you, your success is directly related to the health of your pipeline. So I'm curious, um, you've been doing this long enough. You've seen a lot of things change over time as as far as what works. Um, if you don't mind sharing any uh, of your secrets, I mean, what's one tip that you're really relying on now to build incredible pipeline? Well, I, I think the first rule before we can get to tips, the first rule of building pipeline is blocking the time and making the time and prioritizing the time to prospect. I'm sure you have come across your fair share of, of reps who talk a good game about prospecting, um, but they're always busy doing other things. Um, you know, we, at, at my company, we have prospecting day. We have it built into our calendar. And I truly know that that is seeding the seeds for two quarters, three quarters next year from now. And if I don't put that time in, right, 
there's no way that you're going to be able to be in, you know, uh, uh, to, to exceed your quota, right? Mm-hmm. You can't count on the big deal to make your number, right? And stringing together a bunch of little deals is a lot of work. You have to have that blend. And the only way to have that blend is to have the pipeline to, to support it. So that's my number one rule. Make the time. And I was fortunate where I started my career in inside sales. You know, a lot, these days they call it a sales development rep or SDR, um, whatever you want to call it. I, I started, cut my teeth, smiling and dialing, dialing for dollars, right? And getting told no a lot. And you just have to be resilient. You have to say, you know, next dial, right? So that that's part of also the the tough skin, right? That you got to develop the callus that you got to develop in the, for this, this type of career in terms of tips, the tried and true is research, mm-hmm. research, know your account, know your buyer persona, know the people that you're going to reach out to. If you're sending generic emails and you're not getting a response and you don't know why, <laughs> you gotta you gotta change your change your tactic. I don't know, like maybe find another profession or something. I don't know, but you gotta know your persona. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing, as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later, or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now, let's get back to the show. had uh, someone through my college, uh, through the alumni networking uh, system that they have, reach out. And he sent a very generic note to me. Hey, how do we, what are your tips on networking? And I responded like, dude, like, look at my profile, right? And so I actually sent him back a note on LinkedIn. And he's a math major, but he's also really interested in sports. So I sent him a note back and said, you know, hey, Matt, uh, great, great to connect. You know, hope you're enjoying your time at Trinity College. And, you know, I see you're a math major and you're into sports. Like, hey, check out this uh, blog article about my company, uh, Databricks, and what we're doing for the Minnesota Twins with advanced analytics. Oh, connected the two of them. Wow. Right? Yeah. Right? Because they took two moments. To look at his LinkedIn profile. Now, I reach out to people and say, hey, I saw you went to the University of Wisconsin and my brother's a badger. And so that's my adopted school, right? Uh, I talked to someone today and say, hey, I see you're based out of Puerto Rico. That's where my dad it was born, right? Uh, you got to find something to make it personal. Now, if you can't make it personal, you got to make it contextual. So, hey, you know, you're in this industry. Well, for your peers, 
we're doing X, Y, and Z, right? So you share a relatable story that means something to that person. So it, to me, research, 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 make your communication short, sweet, and personable or yeah. personal. Yeah, that's uh, you know, gr- great advice. And I, I imagine at times you're making it personal and contextual, personal to get their attention and then you know, getting down into some specifics. Um, are, you Absolutely. Doing this, are you doing this through LinkedIn, through email, through some other tool? Yeah, I, I find LinkedIn to be just the easiest in terms of you know, the place to find people, the place to, to research and learn a little bit about them, and then the place to communicate. But I also follow up on email. So if you're getting an email from me, there's probably a LinkedIn message or a sales navigator message also from me. It's Even if it's pretty much the same message at the same day, I, I, I'm going to, that's how I'm going to do it. You know, a lot of people talk about social, using social media. I, I just haven't found it at that. You know, maybe you want to tweet the CIO or, you know, some executive who has an account. Sure. Or, you know, there's other ways I find email, phone, Mm -hmm. you know, I I find today a lot of people are afraid of picking up the phone, right? Oh, let me just hit you on Slack or I'll send you an email or, right? Pick up the phone. They're going to answer, right? Like, and if you get someone and you can, like when you and I talked, right? We had a connection. We, there was something there. So when I follow up with you, you know who I am, right? Right now, you there's a voice there to that email. Yeah, and you know who knows your customer might even be surprised that it's not a robocall calling them if they do pick up, right? So it's yeah, an actual live person. You do yeah. your research, make it personal, have some contextual background to it, and talk. Yeah, and it's not about trying to have a thirty minute conversation with person. I call up and say, hey, I'm really busy and I know you are too. Just wanted to introduce myself. Let's put 15 on the calendar next week. I know you got your calendar up because who doesn't sit there with their calendar up? You got your email, you got your calendar and 50 other browser pages, right? Pull up your calendar. I got it. You got it up. Okay. Tuesday, one o'clock, I'll send you an invite. 15 minutes. So that, that's what it all it takes. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Really appreciate the insight. Well, hey, um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. So, you know, as you're successful and you're you're earning those great commission dollars, I'd be curious to hear about how you um, you know invest both in yourself and you know some of those commission dollars into uh, whatever is important to yourself. Well, I was thinking about this question, and I'm sure there's a whole podcast that could be dedicated to how not how salespeople should not spend their money, their commission dollars, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fancy cars and the watches and 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 the you know all the things. But you know, the the smart way to build off of those commissions is, you know, th- I mean there's lots of smart ways. Uh, I don't know if mine are smart, but what I've done in my career, you know, I've I've made some investments in some very early uh, technology companies. You know, a couple panned out, a couple not. It's okay. You know, it wasn't, you know, it was okay, right? But part of my investment was also my time. So, you know, I've been an advisor to a couple of of early stage technology companies that are trying to go from idea to working demo to trying to figure out a, a go to market. And some of the a couple in in one case that that advisory role uh, you know allowed me to then to to take on the GM role of of a small 
uh, startup out of uh, Norway. And I was managing our US go to market, uh, reproductizing the offering from a consultative offering to you know, a SaaS uh, B2B offering and overseeing marketing. And so you know, that, that was a tremendous investment because it led to an amazing experience. Um, you know, and some of the other investments are still sort of chugging along there um, and we'll see how they, they go. And I'm always cheerleading them on, on LinkedIn and, and things like that to, uh, to, to promote you know, the teams that I've invested uh, my dollars and, and my time to. Yeah. What is that's such an interesting point because I um you know this is something I, it's really important to me because I've I've worked with uh, a number of younger sales reps and I watch when uh in fact I've managed a number of them and you know they move from inside sales to outside sales and now you know their paycheck is starting to grow and next thing you know they're showing up with the M3 they've got the condo on the beach and I was like oh man you just had a great year and you just spent it all um you know, I, and I, I know they're excited and it's okay to you know, enjoy some of the hard fruits of your labor. But, uh, you know, I think I look back and I wish I could have taken even more of my commission dollars when I was younger and got that money working for me um, just because it just creates more opportunity to do more things. Absolutely. I, I was talking to a, a friend and, you know, a, a guy who I've worked with at two or three different companies. And, you know, he's at the point where his son now is early in his sales career. And the company he worked for moved him to, I think it was Austin. And he had a banner year. And my friend and I are talking on the phone. He goes, yeah, my son, you know, he just he got himself a Tesla. And then the next, you know, two months later, I was talking, he's like, yeah, he's bought himself a boat. And he and I are laughing, like, <laughs> what a dummy. Right. We've made that mistake. Right. Now I haven't bought a boat, but you know, I bought my fair share of toys. And to your point, if only I had had the the the, the wisdom uh of of experience to go, you know what, maybe I didn't need that. I could invest it this way. Absolutely. Right. So when I talk to colleagues, when I first get paired up with a, a solution architect, right? My technical counterpart. One of the first things I ask is, you know, what are your goals and what do you want to be able to do with your commission check, right? I've gotten uh, buy a motorcycle rig, right? Or, you know, take my, you know, buy an engagement ring for my girlfriend or, you know, buy uh, mine for a while, you know, buy, buy my first house, right? Um, but understanding those goals of your colleague when you're working as a team can, can really be, you know, motivational to you're in the foxhole together, right? You gotta, you gotta be able to trust each other. And, and I want my colleagues to, to succeed. I want them to be able to, you know, buy whatever it is they, they buy like that to me is the most rewarding. One of, one of the most rewarding aspects of the job is when, is when we crush it. And I know that my colleague is, you know, using those commission dollars for, for what their goals were. Yeah. You know, you, um, you, know, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, you're going to be up early. You're going to stay up late. You're going to, you know, really grind it out and you have a pretty high expectation on the, the team around you. And, you know, as you know, and hopefully a lot of the people listening understand is it takes a team to win yeah. and really, I mean, you can, yeah, you could try to just be a, a lone wolf and get to plan and maybe do okay. But to really crush it, 200, 300 plus percent of plan, there's people that are in the foxhole with you. 
And I think your point about knowing what drives them makes it significantly easier for you to push them, to drive them and help them achieve what they're trying to, to get in life or whatever their personal goal might be. And so taking the time to ask those questions and understand that, that's just being a good human. Yeah, I hope so, right? I mean, we all come to work um, with our own goals and aspirations and motivations. And I work on complex sales, right? Complex sales cycle. You know, the, the deals that I work on have 15 to 30 people touch them throughout that sales cycle. And, you know, those additional team members or resources, they're getting pulled in other directions by other account executives. If I don't carry myself with a level of professionalism, um, respect, and empathy for my colleagues, well, maybe they don't show up for my meeting and they go to another meeting. Maybe they're not going to work that hard to turn around that that statement of work or create that presentation or the three slides that they're needed for their role, right? Because they're getting pulled in different directions. They have, in some respects, they have options, right? So I always come to those type of conversations with internally knowing that my colleagues have other asks of, of their time. And so I want to be respectful. I want to listen, you know, I hear, I was on a call earlier today and there was a, a leader on the call. This is at a, at a customer and he had his team on and multiple times he asked for his team's input, but then didn't pause to allow their teammate to speak. He kept talking. And I thought to myself, like, I really hope I don't do that <laughs> because my colleagues bring a different set of experiences and perspective. And the more that we can leverage that constructively, the better, the more efficient, the more polished, the stronger we will be, right? So I oftentimes say, let me shut up and hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it can be hard to do when you get excited and you're really passionate about what it is that you're out there selling, but it's... Uh... These are true words. So um, yeah. as, we, as we wrap it up, um, you know, I always like to kind of get a sense from the guests on, you know, anything you're doing to, to give back. Is there anything that um, you're excited about or passionate about in terms of uh, giving back? Well, I, I try to give my time right now the, the best I can. So, um, you know, I'm just blessed to be at an organization that, has a, a true mentorship program. So when new AEs come into the organization, you know one of our our company uh, value corporate values is be an owner. And you know my equity is only going to grow if everyone is contributing and growing the business. So I take a sense of ownership that as a mentor, when I'm assigned a new mentee, I really invest that time and don't blow off the meeting and don't blow off the checklist. Really invest that time to uh, help my colleague come up to speed, understand the product, the company, the culture, the people, the process, all that good stuff. 
Um, so, you know, and I'm doing that also with my uh, college, my, my, as, a, as an alumni, networking with kids who are, you know, going through the, trying to find summer internships, trying to find a job and having conversations with them and making myself available and just trying to share a little bit of the experiences and some do's and some don'ts of, you know, of, of what it might take out there. You know, I've, you know, been a, you know, sort of outside of professional uh, work. I uh, am a patron of the Massachusetts College of Art, which is one of the only publicly funded art schools in the country and has had some amazing artists come out of that. So, you know, my house is, has art from, you know, from, you know, student sold art at their annual auction that was $300 that I just found to be really fabulous piece of photography to several thousand dollar art. And, and that's been a little bit of how I've invested money in, in art. It's not like uh, these days in uh, NFTs or anything right. <laughs> like that. But, you know, that's how, you know, try to support the, the arts. And with my son, you know, we we look, you know, his his birthday is sort of near Thanksgiving. And so we try to um, make sure that we take uh, time to, to get some toys for Toys for Tots, which is a, 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 a group here in Massachusetts that provides toys to, to, to kids in need. And take old stuff that that we don't need anymore, and take my son with me to that donation center, and show him like you know, there's a lot of people out there that are that are far less fortunate than than we are, and um, you got to be aware of that and have empathy uh, for your colleagues, for your customers, for your neighbors, and and the people around you. It's funny, you know, you can go tell your say 10 year old kid that all day long, but they don't understand until they see it. And so are you taking them to, to get the experience of it is so much more impactful than just giving them some lesson that they can't even process. Or, or just taking old toys and putting them in a box and saying, all right, we're going to donate these. No, like you got to take the time to, I mean, you know, the way it's set up, it's, it's a big bin at certain locations, but then I go on the website and show him sort mm-hmm. of what it's about. And, you know, exposing him to those who, who uh, are less fortunate, right? And again, empathy, empathy, empathy. Well, um, as we close out here, uh, Alejandro, how can listeners reach out to you if they would like to connect? Hit me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm there prospecting. So <laughs> send me a message. Uh, uh, Alejandro Quiroga, uh, my company is Databricks. And, uh, you know, I got my profile there. Uh, you can email me at aq at databricks.com. So LinkedIn, send me an email. Always welcome new connections and, and people who are passionate about the craft of sales because it, it is a craft. And you got to keep honing it and learning and listening from others and applying it. You know, there's lots of sales books out there. and. I tell people, or I've always taken it the approach of it's it, you don't take it verbatim. Take what resonates with you, right? So, you know, the same is true when you're building connections and you're reaching out to me. You know, I, I don't have all the answers, and it's it's not a you know. So so just if something resonates, I hope it does, and it, you know, I'd love to learn from others as well. 
Yeah. You know, and I always, uh, I've always had that philosophy, just try one new thing, right? Take one mm-hmm. thing, put your style to it, put it into practice, kind of see how it works. And, you know, if you're just trying one innovative thing a day, a week, a month, you can't underestimate the impact it'll have. And, you know, I, I totally agree that, you know, as sales professionals, uh, it's a lifelong career of learning. You know, if you want yeah. to continue to grow and scale and make more money, I mean, that's the theme of the podcast is you need to learn from the best in order to earn like that best. By the way, that learning never stops. So keep doing it. It never stops. I block time on my calendar to have a virtual cup of coffee with some of the top performers in my organization and just hear about them. What are you like? So how do you approach this? How do you structure that? And and I had a colleague last week send me five slides template from a book that he's been reading. And I look at it, I go, this is awesome. And I sat with my essay and go, we're applying this methodology this this coming fiscal year. And it's like click, click, let's go. And just from reaching out to people. I love it. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for giving back today, Alejandro. Um, Look forward to catching up again. Chris, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.